0: So first and foremost.
1: I think the the addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down.
0: Can't even muster the ability to go straight behind that one. Uh,
1: which is a good argument for absolute rulers.
0: Everybody is gonna get behind either of them love me and the support numbers will go through.
1: When you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. Grandfather yeah. took the cob and just slid it right through the bar. Oh, okay. God. Okay. And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so, <laughs> in both of my marriages, <laughs> they were treated to that. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, rage haiku.
0: How do you imagine the rubber chicken? Plant? My grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls. Oh, my God. It all makes sense. We'd had the sexual revolution.
1: It and... might have just been a Canadian standoff. We're going to go back to 9-11. Okay.
0: Get over. Mm-hmm. Agra has no <laughs> business being that <laughs> thick. When the cultists win, we all win. for the next 48 hours. Uh, He he, uh, is off visiting his grandma and his grandpa and his cousins uh, because uh, his mommy and I are going on a a road trip uh, tomorrow and staying overnight someplace. Um, And on the one hand, I'm really happy about, uh, you know, getting some time just to be, you know, with my wife again. On the other hand, uh, coming home this afternoon, the house was way too quiet. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, my wife was actually at a, at a function for her work until close to seven o'clock tonight. Um, and, uh, I, I wound up, uh, my, my mother called and I wound up having a, a solo conversation uh, with my mother for, you know, an hour uh, which hasn't happened in roughly three years uh, (laughs) because now normally, of course, she's calling to see her grandson. So, yeah, that's what I have going on. Um, How about you?
1: Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher up here and a drama teacher up here in Northern California Uh, and I... Let's see. I was going to tie something to the silence of your house, but I think I'm just going to let that uh, settle in as it is. Uh, but I am very much looking forward to my next D&D session with my kids because we are getting close to the, the final act. And I, I would say this is a five-act uh, adventure series. Um, oh, wow. They okay. are currently 10th level. Um, oh wow. yeah, and uh, the the wizard is about to capture the princess and take her to his island. And my kids will end up in a mirrored room facing off against uh, a a beast that looks semi-apish and semi-human in a red velvet cloak who will be resistant, not not merely resistant and vulnerable to all the attacks until one of them breaks a mirror. Nice. Yes, and I'm looking very much forward to that specific combat. Uh, And then they'll Ah, go on, hopefully, to the Unknown Realms and help restore a kingdom and and end up fighting an NPC that they left behind a long time ago, who is not evil. He has simply been uh, convinced that they are part of the plot. Oh, wow. So it'll be a good reunion, actually. Nice. Yeah.
0: Nice. I like that. Yeah. You know, and and in in thinking about the reference that you're making with uh-huh. that with that fight, I realize that that fight in Conan the Destroyer uh-huh. is a cinematic answer to Enter the Dragon.
1: Oh. By oh, Bruce yes. Lee. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah.
0: Which like. Somehow recording this podcast with you I made that connection mm-hmm. Like I've seen Enter the Dragon I don't know how many times Seen Conan the Destroyer I don't know how many times mm-hmm. But like right now I realize Oh shit mm-hmm. That's There's a There's a That's an homage Right Like okay Neat. So anyway Neat Yeah So So Speaking of magical creatures with very specific vulnerabilities.
1: Ah, you went out and watched the night of the day of the dawn of the sun of the bride of the return of the revenge of the terror <laughs> of the attack of the evil mutant alien flesh eating hellbound, zombified living dead part two shocking 2D movie, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I still I still want to see that written in German. Um <laughs> no, no, I did not. Oh, but okay. yes, I I am I am bringing up the yes. you know, now canonical understanding that if you want to take a zombie down, you got to hit him in the head. Yes. Which which I do want to point out since we're talking about the evolution of the genre over time mm-hmm. that has actually bled over into Dungeons and Dragons game mechanics. Has it now? in 5th edition there's a specific condition you you have to cause damage to reduce a zombie to zero hit points
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the zombie I'm trying to remember whether it's like there's a saving throw on the part of the zombie or if there's some other effect you have to oh, do Oh right
1: they I think they get a con save of some yeah. sort and otherwise they they keep they at continue
0: it. to carry on at like one hit point yes because you've got to hit them in the head. Oh, that that's what that's for.
1: That that reflects
0: the idea that you've got to hit them in the head.
1: Okay, yeah, but they're also insanely easy to hit. Their AC is only eight.
0: Oh yeah, their armor classes. But
1: garbage. yeah, they basically they have but to. But, I'm looking it up. If the damage reduces okay. the zombie to zero hit points, it must make a Con save with a DC of five plus the damage taken, unless the rate damage is radiant or from a crit. Okay. So there's yeah. your headshot. See, yeah. On a success, the zombie drops to one hit point instead. Yep. Yeah. Oh. I wow. just want to point out yeah.
0: in in the in the couple of fifth edition games that I have run,
1: uh huh. Um,
0: I threw some zombies at a at a group of player characters, and they were I don't know second or third level.
1: Uh huh.
0: And I was like, there's zombies. This is not going to be a problem." And right. then I rolled hot for saving
1: throws. And suddenly and, 10 Zombies and, is And suddenly is daunting. 10
0: Zombies, like, I had veteran d d players mm-hmm. visibly scared at the table. Yes. Because they were like, why won't they die? Right. Yeah. It's and good then, and then I, Yeah. And then I showed them the page in the DMG, and they were like, that's fucking evil. I said, well, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's rare They're that I roll that hot, but yes. Yeah, I'm, you know, yeah. yeah. So in uh, my game with my kids, zombies were never intelligent. So they would mob up even though they could easily move through each other's spaces. I would have uh-huh. them like bottleneck like crazy because that's typically oh, yeah. what happened, well, right? Makes, yeah, makes sense. So yeah. my zombies were never tactical. Um, oh, no. And, and that, that that helped, I think, balance the, the you can't kill them part because that was frustrating enough. Well, so. see,
0: the 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 encounter that I had designed had had the characters basically stuck in a in a in a kind of a wide open room where the zombies were coming from more than one direction at oh, once. Nice, so they they nice. were having a very hard time bottlenecking them. Sure. Uh, so part of that was my dungeon design being you know unintentionally kind of bastardy. Right. But yeah.
1: Nice. So. I like
0: it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it was it was it was good times, and you know I managed to avoid having it turn into a TPK or mm-hmm. anything. But I I did, I did definitely have the party looking at me like, nice. you're not normally this kind of DM, man. Right. Like You know, it's good you're to not, shake them. Not, not normally the doing...
1: one. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, okay. So in 1991 we left off. Um, yes. In 91. Uh there were a lot of zombie movies through the 1990s, early 90s that were either spoofs or comedies. Um Okay. So obviously there's the the one that I just mentioned eponymously yes. titled. Um in 95 there was a straight to VHS, mm, VHS uh yeah. zombie movie called Ghost Brigade. It was also okay. called Gray Knight. I found it had been released under two different names. Um, it was also called the Lost Brigade and the Killing Box. I, I don't quite know what happened, um, but here's, the, here's the, the plot. Here's why it's noteworthy to me. Slave traders brought back voodoo practitioners whom they had enslaved, and the Confederacy accidentally freed a, Zoodoo, a voodoo entity who zombified both North and South troops. And what else could bind together the North and the South at this time besides zombies?
0: Interesting. Now,
1: here's where it gets fun. You remember Corbin Burnson? Yeah. He was in it.
0: Well, it it was the early 90s. It's true.
1: So he's a strangely anti-slavery confederate, and he's joined in this film by Martin Sheen, Billy Bob Thornton, Adrian Pastar, the guy who played the older brother in Heroes, David Arquette, Alexis Arquette, who at that time was still Robert Arquette. And I make that distinction only because this film has like one women woman in it total, um, and yeah. Alexis Arquette didn't count. Also in it was Ray Wise, who played Leland from Twin Peaks. Yeah, he'd also been in West Side Story. No, yeah. no, he hadn't. I'm sorry, I'm confusing I'm confusing him with uh, Robert. No, with the guy who played Doctor Jacoby. Uh, the name will come yeah. to me later. Yeah. Um, but also Matt LeBlanc was in it. Of friends, this
0: is this is kind of a murderers row of early nineties, like either up uh-huh. and coming or big names. That's wow, and, yeah.
1: Because in a shitty uh uh-huh. zombie movie, straight to VHS zombie movie, yeah. Martin well, I mean, fucking Sheen. Pay the bills, but yeah. yeah. I don't remember when The West Funny Wing came dude, out boy. as a movie, well, the or as a, as a come- TV show rather. I don't remember when it came out, but it couldn't be more than like 6 years after this, right?
0: Um, I'm going to have to look it up, but I yeah. think you're roughly you're in the ballpark.
1: Yeah. And obviously Friends had been around since 94, so this had been <laughs> filmed probably just before he got that part and so Joey from Friends was in this movie.
0: Holy shit.
1: So, the only reason I note this is because this in '95. It's also going to be after Twin Peaks ended. So yes. Ray Wise, Leland, yeah. uh, was in it, um, and again, Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, well,
0: uh-huh. I'm trying to remember when when Billy Bob Thornton became
1: Slingblade. A name. Slingblade is 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 the movie yeah? that did it, and I yeah. wanted. I know I was in high school when that came out, so it's roughly around the same time. Okay, all
0: right. Yeah. So, huh.
1: That doesn't mean that that was the first thing he had done, because remember yeah, yeah, well, yeah, he played Johnny Tyler in, uh, in Tombstone. Yeah. Why Johnny Tyler? Where are you going with that shotgun, Johnny? That guy. Oh wow. Yeah. All right. But yeah, so, the next year, Sling Blade came out, ninety six, because I was. A oh senior. shit. Yeah.
0: Okay. So okay. Uh huh. I I find I find this really interesting. mm Hmm. I want to I want to come back to Corbin Burnson's character because because of the names involved at mm-hmm. the time, Martin mm-hmm. Sheen and Corbin Burnson would have been the two biggest names. Yes. And Corbin Burnson sounds like he's clearly the you know protagonist we right. kind of right. following in this, and he is a anti-slavery Confederate.
1: Well, yeah, I mean they all really were. I mean, yeah. No, yeah. at
0: the end of the that's, – that's what I wanted to get around to. I mean, the war wasn't is, even about
1: slavery, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I wanted to get around to again mm-hmm. is, again, we're talking about the 90s when, you know, well, you know, we, we got over racism. Right. And – but somehow we got over racism, but we're so scared to confront the reality of what racism was rooted in. Mm-hmm that we're going to make up fictional characters like this asshole. Right. Who's who's fighting in the Confederate army but is anti-slavery. Right. Like no no. No, fuck you. If you're anti-slavery, you're wearing a blue fucking uniform
1: and even half and of you're them fighting for the a... federal
0: fucking <laughs> yeah. cause. Like Yeah. No. No. Fuck that. Um Sorry, now, this 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 is where I get he didn't start using four letter words an awful lot because like no.
1: Now this movie <sighs> also came out two years after Gettysburg did, which was cinematically beautiful, but it just didn't hang together much as a movie.
0: No. Yeah. You don't Okay, so as a movie, it doesn't hang together very well. As a as a treatment Mm
1: -hmm. of
0: the novel, the killer angels by Michael Mm Scherra, it's actually really good. Cool. Like as a fan of the novel, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: the movie is really good as a movie. Yeah, I get what you're saying and and I can't disagree, but, um, you know, and, and there are places where Gettysburg, even, even as much as I love the film, there, there are places where, uh, you know, it falls down from you know uh, a, a historical analysis uh, angle, but yeah, um, it's not nearly as bad as gods and generals. Oh dear God! <laughs> yeah, these. Uh, um, uh. I, I, know, or, or, I, I, I at this point have to have to digress to recommend Atun Shei A T U N S H E I films on YouTube. Um, he is a re a he he at least has been at some point a civil war reenactor mm. and he is a historian oh, and that guy, he yeah, yeah, yeah. he spends yeah and and he does a wonderful job dissecting uh just exactly how all of these you know civil war films uh fuck things up nice uh and and yeah he he has he has very very strong words mm. for god's and generals in particular and I'm pretty sure if he watched this foolish pile of nastiness, um, as uh, you know, like uh, again, I, I come back around to the idea that that we've got to we've got to create a character mm-hmm. who is a Confederate because we're we're dealing with voodoo, so we've got to have slavery because it's an American film about these things.
1: Well, and also so we, gotta be, he's, we 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 also be, love having an underdog though. And they were the underdog for the for the wrong cause, but you can't deny that they were out outgunned, outmanned, outstrategied, um, outmoraled.
0: Yeah, I was I was gonna say out outmoraled, out, out ethics, yes, I don't, all I don't those know things too. To, like so
1: like, underdogs. American uh, underdogs.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. There's that weird rehabilitation that Hollywood has literally forever done. To the con- to yeah. the Confederacy. Well, okay, Part Buster of Keaton just did it. because
0: yeah, well, yeah. God damn it.
1: <sighs> so yeah.
0: yeah, I I think I think Hollywood. Well, yeah, we can get into the cause and effect of it, but, but I'm I'm still
1: mm-hmm.
0: just I'm, I'm hung up on the fact that we've got to have you know Corbin Burnson of mm-hmm. L.A. Law right. uh, playing you know a bullshit character like that. Yes. Like, <sighs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> So, so so yeah, zombie zombie infestation, Union and Confederate troops have to fight together to fight off hordes of the undead. Yes, yes. And
1: yeah. that's really the only thing notable about this straight to VHS movie, uh was the cast and the setting. I just something that we keep coming back around to. Now, technically, <sighs> Weekend at Bernie's part two is also a zombie film. Okay. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it though. Uh okay, and yeah. through oh, the
0: rest so Yeah. I I find it interesting we've skipped 295.
1: Yes, cuz everything's freaking comedies.
0: Well, yeah, but you you didn't mention um Brain Dead. You're right. Or 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 Dead Alive. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, is that because they they don't meet the, some or it doesn't somehow meet the criteria for a zombie movie or because it was made about... in New Zealand? Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, okay. Movie. So that's
1: the that's the the yeah that's the the ninety two one right? Dead alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one Dead is because yes, it's I'm sticking to American because that was a Peter oh, Jackson okay. film, if I recall. It was yes, maybe his Lois, first that's one. The
0: movie, that's the movie that that gained him notoriety and got him attention from Hollywood. Right. Which eventually led to him making the Lord of the Rings movies. Right. Um, which, you know, I find it's interesting the guy that they tapped to do the Lord of the Rings was the director of zombie films. Like yes. that's that's he he was a horror director. Right. Um
1: but which, yeah I I, I stuck we'll have a conversation about that anyway. I but, stuck. So. I, I kept away from Italian and Spanish because it was just zombies and porn. Uh, I kept away from Just, no, New Zealand and India and Canada because I'm I'm not well qualified enough to speak to their political landscape at the time. Um, okay, yeah, so, for sure, yeah. yeah. So okay. and I, I stuck away. I, I kept away most mostly from the British stuff, but there's a few that make it big in America. That so I I'll cover those. Okay. Um. So throughout the rest of the 90s, there's there's mostly. ...comedy zombie movies, there's not that many other kinds of zombie movies, and I find it interesting, because as we talked about at length last time, in the United States economy, uh, as well as its relative prosperity existentially, um, the United States economy was singular in its paradigm shift away from the Cold War um, that the culture had grown accustomed to, there was no faceless hordes coming to get us, Barbara, Um, there were no real economic problems that the dominant culture paid any attention to. It's the economy, stupid, worked really well for people who were able to prosper. And a good deal of the anger toward the political leadership at the time amounted ultimately to making fun of the president and his family. It was nasty and it was shitty, but it was just very mocky. So zombie films are mostly just fun. They're, you know... The, the hordes are not as big a threat because there's no there's no Cold War and we haven't gotten so polarized yet. I mean, it's in the process of setting the groundwork for the polarization. Well, the, the drift is, is beginning. Yes. Yeah. So ultimately, very few zombie movies made it to the theater, too. Uh, and I think this is partly due to the lack of movies opening in the theater um, in general because the VHS market was taking off in the early to mid-90s. Blockbuster was ascendant. Um, as were a few other Johnny-come-latelys. Um, yeah. Here's here's some fun statistics. In September of 91, there were over 1,500 blockbuster stores. By oh, 96, wow. there were 3,300 blockbuster stores. By 99, there were 4,500 blockbuster stores. That's a lot oh, of wow. stores that you got to keep stocked with VHSs. And zombie oh, movies yeah. were relatively inexpensive to make, as were most horror films and companies did their best to monetize that. So you would go to the horror section and you I mean it was rows and rows and rows in certain stores of oh, movies yeah, no, you never section, heard the of.
0: The horror section was the yeah. was the biggest. Yep. biggest part of the store cuz yes. again as as we discussed I think back in the first episode of this of this series mm-hmm. horror movies are cheap to make yep. and you can you can make your money back and then start making profit on them almost immediately
1: um that's exactly right
0: yeah do do you remember and just talking about the growth of of blockbuster Mm -hmm. what i think is interesting is you know we we now like to you know think about as gen xers we like to talk about oh hey i'm old enough that like i have a i have a blockbuster card somewhere (laughs) you know tucked away um do you remember before blockbuster there was the warehouse was that a Southern California thing, or was that a were, were they a national?
1: No, the um, warehouse existed, but it was a music store up here.
0: See, where I was, mm-hmm. it was a music store and
1: yeah, it started expanding into and videos. video yeah. video rental. Yeah, it, I and, don't recall it expanding into video rental, but it could just be that we just were brand loyal, or I didn't okay. pay any attention. You know?
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that was that was. Before And then I remember the the warehouse store in my neighborhood going under mm-hmm. because they'd been driven out of business by Blockbuster. Oh,
1: yeah. I remember that happened in, okay, so where I lived, it was Walnut Creek. There were two copy centers for Xeroxing. Actually, there was a third, but I never went there. There was Krishna <laughs> Copies. It was literally a copy store run by Harry Krishna's. Uh, okay. And there was uh, Kinko's. And Kinko's, because they had such a chain, um, they were able to undercut Krishna Copies, and I remember the copy wars because originally it was five cents a copy, and then you know Krishna Copies was like five cents a copy, and then Kinko's dropped it to four cents a copy, and Krishna Copy dropped it to four cents a copy, hoping that people would still be brand loyal. And then Kinko's dropped it to two cents a copy, and Krishna couldn't drop it any further. And they ended up going out of business because two cents a copy, man. And then Kinko's raised that shit to eight cents a copy. Oh, well, um, yeah. Be like you do. Uh, but I, I remember <laughs> because that.
0: capitalism, yeah. baby.
1: Well, and the thing is, is that unfortunately we came up at a time where the coaches uh, were the ones that taught government and econ. So that meant that they yeah. read the chapter slightly before you. Um, and unfortunately, uh, cause I even remember when it was happening, I was like, man, this would be such a good lesson in my econ class. Yeah. So I ended up using it in mine, but so yeah, uh, very few movies making it to theater blockbusters going crazy. And yet in the 1990s, there's a fairly notable drop off overall in this genre beyond the comedy. Okay. So it's only used for comedy. Now you get to <clears throat> October of 2001.
0: Okay.
1: October 2001. Okay. Lou Diamond 2000. Phillips and Lori Petty starred in a movie called Route 666. It's a traveling zombie film. Uh, it's the first post 9 11 zombie movie that I could find, and I thought that that was significant. Um, This is what. Okay, was, was, yeah. So it was.
0: Hold on. It was released in October yes, 2001. Yes. Yes. So, but it was filmed prior to 9 11.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. But you just can imagine that. filmed with the zeitgeist pre nine eleven yeah viewed sorry. with the zeitgeist post nine eleven
0: yeah okay fair
1: yeah so this this film's gonna get fucked um <laughs> just how the hell can you like you know i mean i yeah. i i would be maybe that's the, maybe that's my next podcast is looking at films that were filmed prior to nine eleven and released after. And seeing which ones did well and which ones didn't. All right. Um, We'll see. We'll see. That's a little too obsessive even for me. But, Uh, yeah. Were you going to say? Yeah. No. So, uh, it's the first post-9-11 movie. uh, And it is one of those movies that at least sort of slow burns it. Okay, there's a fair amount of character interaction before the problem of zombies is even introduced. There's a person who knows too much about the mob uh, who's being chased by a Russian hitman and the U.S. Marshals. After a shootout, they have to get the witness to L.A., which means taking back roads so as to lose their pursuers. And this puts them in small town America. Think Cars before Cars was a movie okay it's roughly the same so naturally they stop off in a cemetery because why not make it like Night of the Living Dead it turns out that the marshal's dad is buried there and the criminal and the marshal begin to fight over the fact that a local sheriff's deputy tells the marshal about his own father's criminal background this gives the hitman the Russian hitman the chance to catch up and fire on them another fight ensues and the hitman gets killed but of course that fight awakens the zombies Then there's a running fight with the zombies being restricted to the cursed highway of Route 666. A fun wrinkle to that is that they're still somewhat uh, following Romero's formula, as the criminal, nicknamed Rabbit, is black. The zombies are all dead members of a chain gang that mysteriously died, it turns out, and the spirit of the marshal's dad is part of the chain gang, who were brutally steamrolled to death.
0: Okay, I'm just going to point out as a practical <laughs> issue here. Yeah. If if the. Okay, so, so are the spirits of the chain gang inhabiting other bodies, or are they supposed no, to be the corpses kind of, of corpses. the chain gang? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so these these are the animated corpses of the chain gang in question. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, how are they standing on limbs that were crushed by a steamroller?
1: Well, I mean, when you're steamrolling soft uh, dirt and they're in a hole, yeah, push them under, but then they uh, suffocated. You no, know, and... I'm still calling bullshit.
0: No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No, like, like if you, if you had said that they were, you know, the victims of, you know, corrupt prison guards who, you know, shot them all, claiming they were trying to escape. Or, sure, I mean, sure. Like, like...
1: But if you the, have that, you don't have them climbing up out of the earth into which they had been steamrolled. So we need that. Do we? Apparently. Okay. In a post 911 11 world maybe we don't. Okay. In a pre night 11 world, I think there and was clearly a that. clearly
0: yeah. I guess we did. Okay.
1: So the marshal and his dad's spirit bond for a little bit, kind of feel the dreamsy. Um and uh then the spirit goes on and kills his fellow zombies who until this point didn't really follow the Romero rules. Oh, did I mention that a Native American visited the marshal and told him to heal the land?
0: Okay, Lou Diamond Phillips plays the marshal, right?
1: Um no, he Yes, yes, yes. yes. He's the US marshal. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Is it okay, I I assume based on the way Lou Diamond Phillips has has historically been cast, uh-huh, is there some kind of claim that he is his character is somehow part Native American?
1: Yeah, I mean there's some some hint to that. It's it's yeah. hinted at okay. Yeah. So okay. his dad's spirit helps him free the spirits of the dead men, of course, and then he kills off the evil sheriff who's been keeping people from finding out the truth and then everything's all right. Okay. Now, I'm thinking this feels
0: yeah. more like a ghost movie than a zombie. I mean there's In many the ways, animated yeah. corpses. But yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. They're they're revenants rather
1: than zombies. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good like, way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you totally stole my thunder. Actually, on the well, next I'm sentence, sorry, that's okay. Um. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I my point is that this could not have been written after nine eleven. Um. Just you. You after nine eleven, we hated all people criminal. Period. They were not sympathetic in any way, shape, or form. There was no reforming them. We had 24. We had, you know, the shield. We had all these kinds of things where... Yeah, everything
0: got very, everything got very, very harsh. Yeah. I was about to say very black and white, but then you mentioned the shield, and I was like, yeah, no, that's pretty black and gray. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: And, I mean, the interesting wrinkle here is that you can actually fix what happened by killing the people behind the atrocity. Mm. So there's that, but and while yeah. they are corporeal, like like you and I pointed out, uh, the last detail kind of leads me to want to classify it as a ghost movie, uh, and I see that you agree. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we get to 2002, and you get a bit of a revitalization of the genre. Um, there's a British film called Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, oh wow! Not yeah. the sequel to the Sandra Bullock uh, rehab movie. <laughs> I no. was confused. Um but uh it gained a lot of I I started doing that with like movies that had similar names. So for instance, mm-hmm. um Us is not the sequel to This is Us.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know. Uh so it gained a lot of audience in America, which is why I'm actually breaking form to address a British film. Uh it is a very British film though. There's an infected chimpanzee that gets freed by a group of animal liberation activists. Mm-hmm. Um, it spreads quickly amongst the international populations and brings about the collapse of society. 28 days after the initial outbreak, Jim awakens from a coma in a deserted hospital in London. He gets attacked by infected humans, but he's rescued by the survivors, Selena and Mark. And Mark gets bitten, and Selena has to kill Mark before Mark turns. Pretty soon they they accumulate more partners and they head toward what they think is a safe haven in Manchester and what keeps happening in many zombie movies where the world is destroyed ends up happening here. Uh, The remaining survivors are brought to a fortified mansion under the command of a major. Uh, But it turns out it was all a lie and it's really just intended to lure female survivors into sexual slavery to repopulate the world. And eventually Jim and Selena and company destroy this enclave and let the zombies get to everyone as they escape. I want you to remember this specifically when I get to about 2009. Um, That just that description. Another 28 days later, Jim recovers in a remote cottage in Cumbria where the infected are shown uh, as dying of starvation. So it's not just unending uh, hunger, it, it, they will starve out. And then a finished plane travels overhead, showing that other places have actually either rebuilt or were never really this bad off, which I love that. Um, this movie is significant for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that the zombies run fast now.
0: Oh yeah, the 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 subtype of rage zombies. Yes. As opposed to, well, because in in this in this series they're explicitly not yet dead. Right. They're diseased and they are maddened by infection with the virus. But, yes. But they are still alive. They are effectively, they are how, how to put it, they are they are zombies in effect, but not zombies in in actuality. Uh, yeah. In actuality.
1: So these zombies that they're running—this is not the first running zombies we've seen. We saw that earlier, I believe, in the Dawn of the Dead, or I might be mixing it up with the one that came after, the one where they're bunkered okay. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, these are, like you said, rage running. Right? They're they—they've got a a hell of a lot of of speed built up when they run. There's explosive zombies, you know, in terms of their their speed. They're like a running back.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So
0: and they're and and they are again. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to say this again because I think it's I think it's an important. I don't know if evolution is is the right way to put it, but they are de facto zombies, but they are not de jure yes. zombies yeah. because they're because they're still alive. They are they are dying mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as you know they they do what they do because the virus is eventually going to be lethal. Yeah. But but they are they are still living. They have a heartbeat. Yes. You yes. know. And so I think I think there's there's an interesting wrinkle mm-hmm. there
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you know it's it's uh it's about it's about survival against mindless individuals who are full of rage. Uh-huh. And the idea that they are the walking dead right. is no longer part
1: of the equation. It's, so it's not their numbers that are going to get you. It's a sprinter that's going to get yeah. you. And, and yeah, before they'd like trotted and gambled uh, quickly towards you, right? But yeah. now it's like full on sprinting. So even though there's a horde there that you can pace, one of them might still get you at random, which is a mm-hmm. different thing. Um, it's not just mobbing that'll get you, right? They can just simply predator you to death. Mm-hmm. And this is post 9-11. So in the U.S., it becomes a surprise hit. It took over $45 million in, uh, despite a limited release at fewer than 1,500 screens across our country. Uh, in many ways, it really kind of invigorated the uh, reinvigorated the zombie franchise. It reanimated it, if you will, as a concept. <laughs> Um, Thank you. And after this movie, there were many more serious zombies, uh, zombie movies that came out. Uh, And I find it interesting that this was done under George W. Bush's presidency. Uh, This, along with Resident Evil, even though that one's based on a video game, has been credited with a revival of the zombie movies. And the zombie revival Mm -hmm. trend lasts for more than a decade after 28 days later. So 28 days plus 10 years. Um, before eventually declining in popularity uh, by the, I mean, really after 2013, I want to say. Okay. uh, It really starts to to just trail off, and there's only just a few things left. Now, the uptick and the eventual decline both occurred during a Republican presidency during the Fox News era. And I'm going to come back to those two things in a little while. But I just want to plant that seed there, because I think that's... The analysis that, that that is born out of is, frankly, shallow and, and missing a larger cultural context that's that's going on. And it's not to say that it doesn't have value. It does. But it's only, you know, it's kind of like you're describing a sock only by what's at the toe instead of how the sock works. The okay. toe is vital to the sock, but it's not the whole sock. But it's not the whole picture. Right. right? So... So first we need to talk about Resident Evil, though. Did you ever play that game? Is that a thing that you enjoyed?
0: Uh, once once or twice. I wouldn't okay. say enjoyed. Once or twice I played it, uh, or yeah. versions of it, in the arcade, I think.
1: Okay. I um, I, I didn't know it was an arcade game. I, I, I've only known it as, a, as I might a,
0: I might be thinking of something else. I might be thinking of House of the Dead or something.
1: That could I mean, be a
0: related kind of thing. Because, um, yeah. Zombie, zombie shooter games have never been my bag gotcha well, until this one, until this playing until <laughs> until you know playing with you and, and producer george uh but sure. like and and that's and that's call of duty zombies which i think is its own thing yeah yeah <laughs> um but like you know oh hey this is a zombie shooter game i'm gonna go buy this to play on my own right you know again i'm 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 no good with scary movies, right? Like,
1: right, you know,
0: and so the, the whole whole genre of horror games is one I look at, and I'm like, why would I do that to myself?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I'm gonna be sitting downstairs by myself playing
1: hm. this, right? Right,
0: what, I'm I'm gonna inflict that on myself on purpose? Like, no, yeah.
1: Well, and this this particular Ye- video game is very story based, right? And it's yes. a very very popular story, so um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never really got into it either. Uh, I think it's because it was a PlayStation game, not an Xbox game. Fair. The zombies in in Resident Evil uh, were secondary villains to something called the Umbrella Corporation. But through the movie, uh, the zombies begin to gain menace as they go along. Uh, The zombiness is due to corporate greed again and can even be reversed by antiviral medication. And in this particular movie, uh, this particular Resident Evil... Um, everyone is keen to take the thing that will keep them safe. But the Umbrella Corporation is also keen on controlling who gets what. The protagonist is a woman who has no memory of why she's involved in all of this, uh, but she has really, really good abilities, oddly enough. Also, she's being escorted by a group of paramilitary folks, and people die along the way, uh, including uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Um, At the end of the film, everything gets solved. Most of the people are dead, and our protagonist has the cure. And then she's whisked away by the Umbrella Corporation's goons, and when she wakes up next, she's strapped to a medical table in an abandoned hospital and eventually finds that the whole outside is equally abandoned. She grabs a shotgun from a nearby car, racks it, and the movie ends. All right. And what starts a new pattern... In zombie movies, this movie gets wildly panned and makes a lot of money. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. In fact, the Resident... It
0: is critical dreck, but everybody Mm -hmm. watches it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's because the Resident Evil franchise, and that's counting movies, video games, books, comics, etc., is considered the highest earning zombie franchise in history. So clearly being based on a video game was part of it both being panned and being wildly successful because everybody wants to see how they do the video game that they liked. Uh, more importantly, though, it showed a commercial viability for zombie movies and it kept zombies in people's minds. Uh, many people credit this franchise with reviving a fairly flaccid jo- zombie genre. I would say 28 Days Later did that. Um, the game itself was... Well, I think they did it in concert. The game itself was wildly popular. Um, they introduced a new way of operating the controls, spawned tons of sequels and the like. It's rated as one of the top 15 most influential games of all time because it gave a much more cinematic feel to the survival-based game. Okay. There were cutscenes, you know, um, which was... Mm-hmm. That still happened, but, like, these cutscenes felt more like the video game, not like, and now, a word from our king. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So what's not groundbreaking about this movie, but it is still hugely influential, is the fact that it has an ingrained distrust of the corporations and ultimately of scientists. Science explains this outbreak, not magic, not spirituality, science. And it's still Pandora's box. It still gets everywhere and fucks up everything. It's deadly and it's awful, but science does explain it. So because of Resident Evil, science becomes the main culprit, and we don't really see Haiti as any kind of influence anymore. That disappears. And I really have to wonder if this isn't due in part to the successful propaganda efforts of creationists softening people's regard for science. Now, you're looking at me as sconce. I, well, okay, I here's, here's,
0: okay, well, here's, here's what I'm going to, my initial response mm-hmm. before, before your receipts I think the fact that those assaults are there in the first place Mm -hmm. has a corrosive effect. True. I don't know how ready I am to give those specific voices that level of power.
1: Well, let me paint a picture for you. Yeah. All right. So in 1999, the Kansas State Board of Education was assailed by the Intelligent Design Folks's remarketing campaign to at once promote creationism as science and to pull down evolution as, quote, just a theory. As a result, the phrase, teach the controversy, entered our lexicon in 1999. Now, previous to that, in 1987, during the Edwards versus Aguilar decision in the Supreme Court, Uh, that stated that creationism in a science class is unconstitutional because in Louisiana, they love Muhammad so much that they passed a law stating that the biblical creation story had to be taught in whatever public schools the theory of evolution was taught. This violates the First Amendment because it was a state law that was expressly created to promote a specific religion. And in the majority decision, six justices said that, quote, teaching a variety of scientific theories about the origins of humankind to school children might be validly done with a clear secular intent of enhancing the effectiveness of science instruction. This court case in 1987 made use of something called the 1971 lemon test from lemon versus Kurtzman that stated that any law regarding religion must successfully address three prongs. Okay. So you have to address all three. One, The statute must have a secular legislative purpose. This is known as the purpose prong. Two, the principal or primary effect of the statute must neither advance nor inhibit religion. This is called the effect prong. And three, the statute must not result in, quote, an excessive government entanglement with religion. This is known as the entanglement prong. You have to avoid all three for it to be okay. If you get hit on any of those three, it is unconstitutional. And teaching creationism in the schools does that. Now, factors for these prongs include the following. If you take a look at the character and the purpose of the institution that's benefiting from it. Uh, If you look at the nature of the aid that the state provides. And if uh, you take a look at the resulting partnership between government and religious authority. Now, if any of these prongs is violated by the new law, it runs afoul of the First Amendment's establishment clause, which states that, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So, when intelligent design advocates lost that case in 87, they accepted the decision gracefully, recognizing that they were wrong and acceded to the constitutional limitations put on religious content and its propagation in public schools.
0: I'm sorry, have you ever met a creationist in real life?
1: Yeah, I'm just kidding. They started a think tank. Um, And when you're a zealot and you believe that society has been wrecked culturally by the materialism inherent in science and the decay that naturally comes from it because science seeks only natural explanations and is therefore atheistic, you're not about to go quietly into the night. Heck no, you are going to propagandize like a radio white supremacist preacher because truth is not on your side. So rhetoric has to be your go-to. You have to hope that people are dumb enough to miss what you're doing because if they're not, you're absolutely going to lose to the fact that the facts point elsewhere. So they started a think tank. Rich people and their fucking think tanks, Uh, in Seattle especially, they started... <laughs> oh, God. it! I I swear... I wonder sometimes at the if we could measure the material damage that think tanks have done. Um, I mean, yes, they sponsor, uh, you know, uh, PBS specials, but at the same time, you got to be fucking kidding.
0: Yeah. me. Well, the Rand Corporation by itself is responsible for
1: yeah a lot of shit. Yeah, and so, my understanding of the dung beetle. So you know, okay, well, give and know, take.
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: So in Seattle, Washington, they start something called the Center for Science and Culture in 1996. So listen to how these dates are lining up. Right. From the efforts of the prior think tank that had been based there, which was called the Discovery Institute. Now, both of these think tanks were essentially set up as nonprofits, which I love, um, that were intent on forcing creationism into the schools and squeezing out evolutionary theory. So they're not just saying, like, let's have parody. They're saying, no, we're going we're gonna to box that one out. And with the think tank comes a lot of money and a lot of people strategizing. In fact, that's some people's entire job. The intelligent design folks will make good use of Stephen Meyer and Philip Johnson. Now, both of these men came up with something called the wedge strategy and the, quote, teach the controversy strategy. The wedge strategy comes out of the Discovery Institute's manifesto, and any institute that has a manifesto, I have to wonder, uh, and it's essentially a metaphor based on wood chopping. Okay, You, you know how wedges yeah. work in wood chopping. Yeah. The, the wedge strategy had two sets of goals. One, a five-year goal, and two, a 20-year goal. In doing things this way, they become mainstream. The wedge strategy sought to promote a social conservative agenda on a wide range of issues, including abortion, euthanasia, sexuality, and other social reform movements. Mm -hmm. In order to do this, it requires a coordinated attack on, quote, materialist reformers who advocated coercive government programs, end quote, which which this uh, group, the the wedge strategy referred to as, quote, a virulent strain of utopianism.
0: Okay, why wouldn't one, one, yes, one, right off the bat? Why wouldn't we want to live in utopia? Right, like what? Just what the fuck?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Virulent strain of utopianism. But what is? Come on. Right. You're you, you you are claiming to be Christian. Right. You're claiming to be conservative Christian. Yes. The idea of the city of God is itself a utopian idea.
1: Yeah, but they've already got the market cornered on that one. You don't get yeah, to have or, one down
0: here. You don't. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Fuck you. Whatever.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: uh, n- number one, just just the idea that anybody would use a phrase as fucked up as a virulent strain of utopianism, like, uh-huh. dude, fuck you. We want to make the world a better place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One, two. Um. I I find it I find it remarkable that well not remarkable i find it totally predictable but <laughs> but worth pointing out that sure. like this is all this is all tied in with with all of the other you know social conservative right wing christianity bullshit uh huh you know um and as a christian
1: mm-hmm.
0: like as as a not not going to church as often as I should, Christian, but but as as a believer
1: mm-hmm.
0: it just, and and I know I've complained about this any number of times before, but it just pisses me off to hear these people talking this way
1: mm-hmm.
0: Like don't you get that that the whole lesson we're supposed to follow as Christians is we're supposed to make the world better. Mm. Like we're not supposed to cling to the good old days because the good old days were when we were being eaten by lions in the fucking Colosseum
1: which actually never happened but yeah. yeah but yes when we were being actively <laughs> persecuted by the Roman government how about that that actually happened yes yeah yeah um,
0: but you know uh, <laughs> but being, then being...
1: but then it took over as a state religion so
0: see and yeah. and there, there you have the root of so many of modern Christianity's problems that dates like Mm-hmm. Fucking Constantine!
1: Mm-hmm. There you
0: go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, you know, as a Catholic, it's even funny to me to hear me saying that. But, you know, uh, just why? Why do y'all have to be like this? Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why can't you let the rest of us have nice things? God damn it!
1: Well, I I would also and point out that like luckily we've changed since then, and and everything's. Oh no, it's the exact No, same it's it's shit. yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So this meant in their strategy a soft hand. You promote creation of popular level books, newspaper, magazine articles, op-ed pieces, video production, seminars. It's the seminars that make me wonder if this is a grift though, because seminars are always a grift. Um, it doesn't seem to be,
0: says, <laughs> says, you know, the guy who, as part of his professional development, has to attend seminars on a regular basis.
1: I rest my case.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. No, but ev- yes, even, even. Because
0: teacher can't disagree. it <laughs> Like, even wait, wait, okay, no, what all so, the money who's getting paid for me being here? Right. How long have they how long years, has it been right. since
1: they were a teacher? How many times are yeah, going to tell me they gave the, their heart to the students when they were in a classroom and how much they miss it? Um
0: yes.
1: <laughs> but but uh even even with the preponderance of seminars which are very clearly evidence of grift, I actually don't think that this whole thing is a grift, which is sadder. They actually believe this. And their efforts are all part of the strategy to embolden believers as well as diminish those who think that such things are dumb, <sighs> swaying the broader culture toward accepting intelligent design. And if not accepting it, certainly sitting there going, Well, you know, there's truth on both sides. It's a complex issue. You know, the the, the false myth Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: You know, all right. I'm I'm I am a proponent of the idea that there is there is a on on some issues
1: mm-hmm.
0: of belief there there is a dividing line between straight-up fact and truth with a capital T yes that that I can believe in the existence of, a, of God mm-hmm. and that can be truth mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. whereas it is not a provable fact With that being said, anybody who wants to try to peddle literal creationism Mm -hmm. and try to bring anybody to, well, you know, there's truth on both sides. No, no, you're ignoring so many contextual issues like the the storytellers who are responsible for the story that Genesis evolved out of, mm-hmm. we're not telling it as a literal story of fact. Right. Nobody, nobody thought that Genesis was a literal—no, no—, no there were only two human beings and they were in this garden and there right, was this right. specific tree. Nobody fucking believed that until American fucking evangelicals.
1: Which, by the way, that doesn't come around until more people are literate, which is a really sad irony of it all. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. You know? I, I but know. so, so <sighs> if you can sway the dumber, broader culture into accepting the viability of intelligent design, then you basically are going to lead to the ultimate goal of your wet red strategy, which is a social and political reformation of the American culture. You might remember such wedge books as Darwin on trial. Mm-hmm. The wedge is simply put forcing people to choose between science that you can challenge their understanding on or the pleasant poetry of the Bible in 2002. Johnson, one of the guys that is is really a big mover and shaker in this, said, quote, the mechanism of the wedge strategy is to make it attractive to Catholics, Orthodox, non-fundamentalist Protestants, observant Jews, and so on. And in a a speech from his speech at a 1999 conference at Baylor in Waco, Texas, Mm. he said, and this is a bit of a long quote, to talk of a purposeful or guided evolution is to talk is to is not to talk about evolution at all. That is slow creation. When you understand it that way, you realize that the Darwinian theory of evolution contradicts not just the book of Genesis, but every word in the Bible from beginning to end. It contradicts the idea that we are here because a creator brought about our existence for a purpose. That is the first thing I realized and it carries tremendous meaning. He goes on. I have built an intellectual movement in the universities and churches that we call the wedge which nope, is No 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 no. No.
0: You don't get to use the word intellectual fuckface.
1: Well, he does no. cuz it's a convention in fuck Waco, you. Texas. Fuck
0: you. No,
1: which is devoted no. to scholarship and writing that further's this program of questioning the materialistic basis of science. One very famous I'm book I am
0: so insulted that he uses the word scholarship. Yep. Like
1: oh god. One oh. one very famous book that's come out of the wedge is—I mean, he's straight up saying, "This is our theory. This is our strategy." I mean, it is the most bald and naked. It's like a dolphin. Uh, well, it's it's thing the cornerstone
0: that speech for creationists. Yes,
1: yes. So, one very famous book that's come out of the wedge is a biochemist Michael Behe's book, Darwin's Black Box, which has it had an enormous impact on the scientific world. I have to sneeze. I think I'm going to keep that in Uh, (laughs) um, on the scientific world. I have to vomit. (laughs) Uh, Just mute your mute your mic. That way nobody heard my sneeze. Now, the way that I see the logic of our movement going is like this. The first thing you understand is that Darwinian theory isn't true. It's falsified by all the evidence and all the logic is terrible. When did you realize that the next question that occurs to you is, well, where might you get the truth? When I preach from the Bible, as often as I often do at churches and on Sundays, I don't start with Genesis. I start with John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and in the beginning the was, uh, in the beginning were intelligence, purpose, and wisdom. The Bible had that right, and the materialist scientists are deluding themselves. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, I think it's important to point out here. Yep. At at this at this at this point at at this juncture sure. in the conversation, sure. that the Vatican
1: mm-hmm.
0: has come out and said that the preponderance of the evidence points in the direction of evolution being yes, the mechanism for the development of life. Yeah, and so, so yeah, but they're one of those a, liberal
1: a, political progressive institutions. They always have been.
0: That was under Benedict, for fuck's sake.
1: Yeah, just... If I'm remembering yeah. correctly. People fanboy, yeah.
0: The, the Pope and Führer?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just total,
0: I mean, just... Yeah, yeah, just a complete leftist. Leftist, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly atheist, secularist. Right. Yeah. Like...
1: <sighs> he's a Nazi anti-fascist, I mean.
0: Just... Yeah, you yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know,
1: <laughs> and Antifa all are, right? Yeah.
0: Um, but, no... <sighs> So, so what, what just drives me up the wall about this
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is the people who are driving the movement are knowingly responsible for, for knowingly misrepresenting Mm -hmm. everything Darwin said. Yes. Like, like, And, and for, and for knowingly and intentionally lying, Mm -hmm. like committing, committing falsehoods Mm
1: -hmm.
0: in, in pursuit of, I I don't, I don't, I, I have never been able to grok what their end game is other than finding some kind of religious excuse to, to oppress women and. And people of color, and
1: you know, well, I mean, people that, who that's it. Had white dudes. It's, it's the know, regressive populist reaction to increased uh, plurality, yeah, to demographic uh, yeah. shift. And it's, it's the tell yeah. me that you've enjoyed the benefits of white supremacy without admitting that you've enjoyed the benefits, <laughs> the of, white benefits supremacy. of white
0: supremacy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, granted. But like. <sighs> When and and the thing is so so the people that are that are at the leadership level Mm -hmm. of all of this the ones who the ones who? Run the think tanks and come up with the with the talking points Mm -hmm. and came up with the wedge strategy in the first place Then wind up creating situations Mm -hmm. where I I vividly remember vividly remember Mm -hmm. that it must have been Must have been junior year of high school um, I was in no, it was sophomore year of high school. I was in biology, and we were we were studying. We had the unit in high school biology where we talked about evolutionary theory and Darwin.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And this was in '90. Okay. And I remember we started the unit, and it was a day or two after the unit had started that in art class, which I had like fifth period during the day, if I'm remembering right, uh-huh. late, late, later in the day, I had, I had biology, third period, and then all, like second to last period of the day was was art. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to name the classmate because I don't want to be like that here, but, but a, a classmate of mine
1: mm-hmm.
0: was trying to counter what we what we'd learned that day uh-huh. in biology class by saying was your grandmother a gorilla?
1: Oh yeah, one of those.
0: Was, was your grandma a monkey?
1: Yep. Yeah. No. Name of student. That's that's
0: not how it works. Well, but what but was she? Like and and like it was so clear that he was Trying and failing because he was not the brightest match in the box Mm -hmm. to to engage in some some strategy that somebody like as a sophomore in high school, I could tell somebody put this idea in your head.
1: Yeah, and and I'm actually going to I'm going to get to this because (sighs) what you're talking about is the disingenuousness of rhetoric masquerading as zealotry because there are enough zealots who don't have the intelligence to understand when rhetoric is being used on them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and That's like why they're was... able to talk so openly about we have this here strategy called the wedge strategy. Like they're saying the thinky parts out loud because they know that the <laughs> people who are who are zealots <sighs> don't have the actual intellectual capacity to realize that they're being used.
0: Yeah, or don't care that they're being used.
1: Yeah. So Here's my favorite. Like, oh, go on.
0: Mm, but uh, you know, it's it's just it's it's notable because that was that was actually the first time I, I think I ever actually wanted to reach up to heaven and smite somebody. Huh? like like reach up and and mm-hmm. get get the divine bolt of justice and just crump him fucking mm-hmm. with it. Just oh my god, I I. Cannot recall a time in high school When I was ever so unreasonably Angry at a classmate And there were so many times I was so pissed off At my peers but like that moment Was like no you you I want to fuck you up So badly right now
1: Yeah yeah there's There was a (sighs) high degree of fundamentalists Who uh, just like And all they had was that first veneer Of rhetoric But they said it with such confidence and forcefulness that that would back most people off. Now, my favorite quote of this guy's is this. He says, quote, our strategy has been to change the subject a bit so that we can get the issue of intelligent design, which really means the reality of God, before the academic world and into the schools. So he's straight up admitting to the propaganda. And as any zealot will later do, the ends justify the means. I don't know if he's a zealot or not. I know that he is a very good rhetorician. Now the second thing, the second the second strategy they came up with was the teach the controversy campaign. Ugh. This was the main mechanism for the wedge strategy. Whereas the wedge strategy was about the constant assault on state, country, federal governments uh as well as flooding the print media sphere. Uh just imagine what they could do with their own network if they had their own network. Um the teach <sighs> the
0: <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's, that's living in 2021. That is not funny. <laughs> like.
1: The Teach the Controversy was to be was the begging of the question that they used to do it. Teach the Controversy says, well, they have science. We have our own science as though such a thing exists. And since it's just as smart sounding and because we branded it as science, it's the exact same thing. And if you flood the channel with that much chaff, people will naturally attract to the center despite there not being a center. This is a really bald use of the Gray fallacy. They wanted to use the rhetorical tricks to replace science with, quote, the theistic understanding that nature and human beings are created by God. Scientists, people paid to do science, people trained to do science, scientists, they have repeatedly stated there is no controversy, and they're right, but that doesn't actually sell newspapers or add time. Luckily, back then, the federal courts were filled with people who could read, Um, and a federal court, (laughs) along with... (laughs) Uh, and I'd like to point out It was not good back then It really wasn't good back then No, no it was not And yet I'm looking back on it as the halcyon days
0: But, 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 but the present Sets such a low bar Yes Yeah.
1: So uh, the federal courts uh, <laughs> Along with the majority of scientific Organizations including The American Association for the Advancement Of Science They call this what it is. They called it a manufactured controversy that creationists want to teach by promoting a, quote, false perception that evolution is a, quote, theory in crisis by repeatedly and nauseatingly falsely claiming it is the subject of wide controversy and debate, while, in fact, there is no controversy or debate within the scientific community about whether or not evolution exists. My favorite example is... If you argue with a creationist and you and they say, "Well, where's the missing link?" and you point out the missing link, they say, "Aha, now there's two holes." Because between the link and the first thing and then the link on the second thing. So now there's two gaps instead of just one.
0: Okay, I haven't heard I literally I have yeah. not heard a philosophical argument that dumb. Oh yeah. Since since well, you Since can't move, class. and I can. No, well, yeah, well, one. But you can't move, and I can prove it. Which, <laughs> which you know, the the the, you know, in order to get from point A to point B, you have to you Zeno's have to get paradox. halfway from point A to point B. Yeah, Zeno's paradox. You have to paradox. get halfway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's really great, right? Up until I walk up and punch you in the fucking neck.
1: Yep. Yep. Like. So Professor Brian oh, Alters, an God. expert in the creation evolution controversy, uh, I'm putting that in scare quotes, said, quote, 99.9% of scientists accept evolution. I, of course, want to know who that 0.1% are, but it's probably people who just, you know, claim to I've, be scientists. I've,
0: I I know I know of the 0.1% of science teachers. I've met
1: yeah. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. So while, while intelligent design simply lacks the scientific basis upon which its proponents claim it sits. So it's not a discussion. It's you come to me with a spaghetti noodle saying, OK, I'm ready to enter the Westminster Abbey dog show. And I say, where's your dog? You say, I have this. This is my dog. And it's like, no, that is a piece of spaghetti that's not even cooked. Yeah. And you say, well, there's controversy here. No, there's not. This is a dog Fuck show, off. sir.
0: <laughs> this is a dog so, show. <laughs> fuck off.
1: So now, because of the success of this campaign, eventually a federal court in Pennsylvania, fucking Pennsylvania, heard the case. And in December of 2005, you had the case Kitzmiller versus Dover Area School District. The presiding judge, John E. Jones III, stated that intelligent design isn't science, and also quote cannot uncouple itself from its creationist and thus religious antecedents. End quote. This is because it's the same fucking thing. That's my commentary, not his. Yeah. Although I I swear I hear that in his tone. The Dover (laughs) ruling also characterized teaching the controversy as a part of a religious ploy. But that's in 05. In 99, it had just gotten started. And by 02, shit was heating up. We did not know which way this was going to go. And we saw this increase. To the point where by 2002, which, by the way, luckily for us, we had a president who totally believed in science at that time Mm -hmm. um, and got voted for because of that. Uh, Mm. The messaging was strong enough that people saw science as some sort of personified being on some level, something that has only increased in the last 20 years. You do recall the last time we had Inferno season last year where Trump was in California and he said, quote, I don't think science knows. When he was talking about the causes of our wildfires. Science isn't a person. So that personification and the willingness to ascribe to it sinister motives and a lack of overall trust combined with the proven shiftiness of Enron Corporation's culture of grift and harm that it did to literal thousands in 2001 helps the Resident Evil franchise popularize the Umbrella Corporation. Okay. Also keep in mind what's in our background. Dolly the Sheep was in 1997. Jurassic Park was in 1993. There was fertile ground for the phrase "You didn't care about should, just could, right? Um, yeah. That kind of sinisterization of science and scientists. And don't get me started on fucking stem cell research and how evil that seemed to be to evangelicals. I mean it, it, here's the thing though, in every bit of this there is that grain of truth. Werner von Braun. Yeah. You know, I make sure yeah. the rockets go up. Who cares where they come down, right? <laughs> so all of this—I'm sorry—I I love
0: how your how your German mad scientist uh, uh, totally sounds like ripped off from our game. Well, uh, yeah, but but it sounds like uh, Professor von Drake from
1: <laughs> from Disney.
0: So let's
1: see if the rockets
0: go up. I don't know if they come
1: down. <laughs> So, all of this mixed with the aforementioned softening of people's trust in science, in corporations, and of course, Resident Evil is as popular as hell, no matter how shitty the movie. All
0: right. All right. I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Now, I'm going to just speak about cloning, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up, because okay. then we're going to get into House of the Dead next time. Oh, so but speaking of cloning in 2004, Blood of the Beast went straight to DVD, which is a shame. (laughs) I I do think that it's worth mentioning that it was attempted. And here's why the plot is post World War Three, which makes sense, given that we're in a 9-11 kind of world and there's a war on terror that's never going to end. And we don't know how society has become over reliant on cloning because most men are sterile due to the war. I don't think it's a particularly zombie-based film as it's basically about the danger of clones turning 19 because when they turn 19, they go apeshit. But given the success of Resident Evil games and movies, zombies are kind of spreading into scientific explanations and leaving behind their strict rules. The movie ends with the stars surrounded by the beast-like things that used to be human species and then were extinct. Um. Yeah I think that's where I want to end it Because we get getting some really fun stuff But I would just like to point out uh, And this will come up in our next episode um, That George Bush The president Spoke In his State of the Union address Against science Creating human animal hybrids Yes So just,
0: just. I yeah
1: <sighs> So yeah. So Ed, number one, did I convince you when you were so very doubtful?
0: I I can definitely <laughs> see there is there is some some
1: deep meat detective on the bones tissue there of,
0: of, that, of that thesis. Yes, yes, yes there is. There so is some gristle on that. Yeah, yeah. it's well marbled. Fuck. <laughs> no, it's not well marbled. It's all it's all connective tissue. It's all, it's all gristle and fat. There's not fat. It's all gristle and bone. There's no, there's nothing yummy about that at all. (laughs) The flavor, flavor comes from the fat. There's no fat on that. There's just sadness. Good point. (laughs) Just sadness. That's gee, many Christmas. So what have you gleaned? (laughs) You know, what I, what I gleaned from it is as a, as a society, uh, We in the United States are are kind of constantly and, and, and the cycle like this ebbs and flows mm-hmm. but we we are constantly on the on the hunt for any any excuse that we can find mm-hmm. excuse me to be anti intellectual.
1: That's a really good way to put it. I mean, I think of conversations I've had recently with people who refuse to believe that Antifa is anti-fascist and insist ah. that they're. And these are very educated people. These are people with oh, yeah. like advanced degrees that I don't have. Like, wow. yeah, and they're just like, well, it's it's you know, and it's that it's that gray fallacy. It's that because I, I think what pushes that excuse, and I'm sorry to interrupt and jump in on this, but I yeah, think no, what no. pushes that excuse that you're talking about. Is yeah. this need to polarize everything as two equally bad choices, and I'm the only reasonable one in the middle, not making a choice?
0: I think. I think when the funny thing is, I, I think there 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 are multiple motivations,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when you're talking about anybody who's highly educated those of us who have a college degree or above are susceptible to, well, I've got to be, I've, I've got to be smart enough to balance these ideas against each other, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, you know, there, there is this, there is this idea that we've, that we've got to find, like the truth has to be somewhere in the middle because of the way we've been trained to, to approach, you know, rhetoric or, or whatever, you know, and, and that's, and that's, and that's part of just that, that's a bias that gets uh, subconsciously baked into the way we get educated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mm-hmm. think and and I think that's a that's a, a vulnerability of of those of us with with you know too much book learning. For anybody who doesn't have that level of book learning. I don't think that's the motive. I think the motive is, well, I don't I don't trust anybody with too much book learning. Because book learning is elitist and like we have this culture of lumping intellectualism and elitism together, Mm -hmm. which isn't all, which I mean, admittedly is not always unfair. I was going to
1: say, not unduly most of the time. Yeah, you know,
0: I'll I'll be I'll, I'll totally cop. To it being totally fair That as a matter of fact I'm kind of an elitist When it comes to that stuff And sometimes I've got to Correct myself When I get into those Models of thinking Mm -hmm. But the the thing is The the trouble with that is It then turns into Okay, no, stop These people have spent A lot of time studying this Maybe you need to listen To what they have to say Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because they do know More about this than you do Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't That doesn't mean They're any smarter than I am I'm not saying they're smarter than you. I'm saying they know more about this shit. Well,
1: and I and, would
0: actually and this, this jerk and, and but mm-hmm. but there's this knee jerk. Well, you know, I don't got to listen to that. You right. know, them them uppity uppity you know intellectuals, and and like any any excuse that we have as a culture mm-hmm. to to jump back to that anti-intellectualism. And I, and I think that, that knee jerk anti-intellectualism then kind of double trips up Mm -hmm. those of us with a lot of book learning because it's really hard to unlearn that when it's such a background part of our culture. And so we're, we're then, uh, we we have kind of this double urge Mm -hmm. to, to do the, you know, gray fallacy kind of argument, right? Because, because in the back of our minds We still have that Well you know I don't want to be an elitist
1: you, you know what I mean mm-hmm. Yeah or, I, I know, think there's something serious. I think there's something missing there though I think it's the, the lack of humility To admit that someone is smarter than we are um, mm-hmm. Because here's here's the next step That you have to take Number one It could be in this specific topic which then you could actually translate as this person knows more than I am. It doesn't mean they're smarter than I am. They know more than me. And I think those are two different things. But more importantly, let's say that they are smarter than me. We still both have the same rights. And I think that ultimately mm-hmm. the way our system has come through, the, the way everything has been set up, it is set up by elitists for elitists. And we are temporarily embarrassed elitists, but we don't want to admit to that. <laughs> and so, if, if this person is actually smarter than me, then the system that I hope to capitalize on when I'm at the top is holding me down. And therefore, there's something wrong with that system. But I'm counting on that system because I'm going to get to the top because I'm smart. Yeah. Uh, therefore, I have more value than someone else. And instead so that, of recognizing that
0: cognitive dissonance.
1: Yeah. And instead of recognizing okay. that, in fact, just because you're smarter than me doesn't mean, and, and go the other way, just because this other person is dumber than me doesn't mean that they don't deserve the exact same rights I deserve. And what the hell kind of system are we in where we are parsing ourselves out according to that on some level mentally as well as yeah. you know economically and whatnot? And I, I think that that comes back to a structural white supremacy. I think it comes back to a very European post-Renaissance uh, way of classist. thinking. Yes. Yes. Um, and classes <laughs> turned to racist over here right quick.
0: Oh, it, well, instantly. You know, and, um, and so
1: the idea that there are yeah. people here that are our betters and are lessers is something that we don't want to admit until we're on the top. Where in reality, there are people who have much better skill sets than me in any number of things. And I happen to be an intelligent person, so I might have a better skill set than several people when it comes to that.
0: Mm -hmm. But that
1: doesn't mean that they deserve any less than I.
0: Yeah. No, and, 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 yeah. And the resistance you get from that, yeah. Yeah. No, I, like, you know, you remember, um, I I wound up engaging with a a troll, I think it was on your page. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, who, who kept coming back to, uh, well, you know, you, you think you're better than me cause you did, cause you, you know how to do school good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not what I said. Right. And he couldn't get over that.
1: Yeah. Well, and people are really big on, I want to construct a narrative wherein I'm the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and setting up a false middle and polarizing again we come back to the you know teach creationism you know it's it's not an equal invalid thing and there's a moral responsibility that we're trying to sidestep there because then we have to have a stake in a society that quite frankly might leave us out yeah so
0: that makes sense yeah
1: so yeah in theory i'm talking zombie movies uh (laughs) in theory yeah. yeah so uh do you have anything you want to recommend or do you want to call it here because we've I'm, given people gonna, a lot of stuff to read. Yeah, I'm you I'm know. gonna call it here. Okay. Uh, in
0: terms of recommendations, at least for,
1: okay. for this episode. I'm um,
0: yeah.
1: Well, Tapped out. I'm actually gonna recommend another Star Wars book. Yeah. Um and it's called Shock. I- <laughs> um You're gonna love the name of it though. You ready? Yeah. It's yeah. a zo- it's a zombie, it's a Star Wars zombie book. It's not Death Troopers, it's okay. Red Harvest. Okay. Now you Play get on Blue Harvest. Yes, of course. yes. It's oh, set yeah. in the Knights of the Old Republic era. It's a Legends book now because it's old canon. Um, yeah. But it is—it's a lot of fun because it starts to parse it, the difference between what is a Sith and what is a Dark Jedi. uh uh-huh yeah and that one's that and that's that's kind of fun um but yeah red harvest it's a good little book not nearly as good as death troopers but it's also not as mary sue because in death troopers you meet han solo for no goddamn good reason um but uh in in red harvest you don't meet anybody you really know um and it's it's uh it takes place in a very snowy place for a little while and i really like that of course so i'm gonna recommend red harvest as a star wars book so all right Cool. Where can people find you on the social medias?
0: I can be found at Mr. Blaylock on, uh, the, uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm. I can be found at E.H. Blaylock on, uh, Twitter and on, um, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. I'm E.H. Blaylock on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm Mr. Blaylock on the TikTok. Mm -hmm. Uh, where can they find you
1: Uh, You can find me at Duh Harmony on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me every Tuesday night at 8.30 uh, p.m. uh, Pacific Standard Time on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. First uh, Tuesday of the month, uh, we're always doing uh, pun tournament. Uh, Anything after that is usually us playing games and having fun with comics and and often the audience members, actually. It's kind of fun. And where can they find both of us corporately to yell at us?
0: Uh, if you want to correct us on something we've gotten wrong or we've said something that just tips you over into rage, rage zombie territory, you can find us at Geek History Time on the
1: Twitter machine. Great. Well, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony.
0: And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, they're coming to get you, Barbara.